Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Hey, by the way, uh, if, uh, I think most of the people who listen to this show, of course, obviously are big sports fans. And you know that Kyrie Irving right now cannot play in New York City because he's not vaccinated, correct? Correct, yes. Well, well it turns out that the city of New York has told the Yankees and the Mets. Same story for them. Yep. They they play outdoors, but if you're not vaccinated, you can't play, which, of course, applies to opposing teams. Now, the Mets did not get to the 85% threshold last year, so you know there are several Mets that are not, okay? There is a lot of speculation that Aaron Judge is not. And now among opposing teams, for example, opposing teams, Cubs, Diamondbacks, Mariners, Red Sox, and Royals, okay, uh, failed to reach the 85% number. So I'll give you, but but a status can change, and I'll give you one. Xander Bogarts last year for the Red Sox, they're, they're excellent shortstop, not vaccinated. Did confirm in spring training he got vaccinated in the offseason. So so his status can change. But again, um, I guess when the Yankees play at home and if Aaron Judge isn't in the lineup, what does that tell you? This, yeah, this is not your... It's not the story you wanted to hear. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's it's certainly a little concerning. Yeah, very concerning actually, because you that's a good chunk of your season. Obviously, you're not going to have your top player yeah, unless that chunk? gets changed. That's half. Exactly. It's half. That's half. But I mean, th- and the, I mean, look how the Nets have tried to handle this thing. Oh yeah, but and I go back to that. What was it? Sunday afternoon, I think it was. Kyrie Irving, who's unvaccinated, was in the stands and it paid for seat, but he can't play. Like I just don't understand this rule by New York City. No, I don't. No, I don't either. There's no logic to it. Uh, In other words, he can be at the game with a ticket, but he can't be on the bench, (laughs) and he can't play. (laughs) But then he then he can go on the road with them. Okay, I mean, like, tell me, connect the dots here for me. In other words, he can travel with them. He can play a road game with them, up and down the floor, up and down the floor. But if he's in New York, he can't be on the bench, but he can sit in the stands and doesn't have to show proof of vaccination. What? <laughs> I, I tell you what, though, New York really needs to look hard. New York City officials need to really look hard and see how much sense does this really make. Because guess what? New York, everybody loves their sports in New York, but New York is a baseball town. And if the and if their home if their teams can't have some stars because they're unvaccinated and it screws them over from winning games, well, there's going to be some major major problems. 
To be honest with you, though, it's something that New York has to look into just in general. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, the rule does, does, does make zero sense. Okay. I'm, I, we're only talking about it in the sports realm. It's much bigger than that. But the Kyrie Irving situation brings with it the conflicts in it. In other words, it's okay for him to travel with the Nets to, I don't know, pick a place, Denver. So he can travel on the plane. He could be with the team. He could eat with the team. He could sit on the bench. He can run up and down the floor with all the sweat and everything that's happening. But if he's in Madison Square Garden or the Barclays Center, he can't be on the bench, but he can be in the stands. <laughs> it's like, okay. I, I'm, okay, now I'm getting a bit confused here as to what you're doing here. That's the part I'm getting confused by. Uh, that, uh, in other words, he's not banned from being with the, around being at the games if he's unvaccinated, but only from playing in the game. Okay, what's the line here? And I'm just, uh, and it's a line they're going to have to figure out. Same thing would be like, say, say it was Aaron Judge. Just let's just for the argument, I you know, uh, and I I apologize to Aaron Judge if if he has and it's not an issue, right, but say it is. You're talking about 81 games, but he can travel with the Yankees and do the entire West Coast swing. Let's go to Seattle. Let's go to Oakland. Let's go to let's go to Anaheim. Let's right. But boy, he comes back to New York. Said no, he can sit in the seats at Yankee Stadium, but he can't sit in the dugout. He just traveled with him on the plane and was in the dugout with him for 10 days. Oh, and on top of it, he can't play in Toronto either right now. That's right. Toronto, he can't either. That's right. You're right. Toronto, he can't. So it's a lot more than that. All right. In fact, he's, he would not, he's not even allowed in the country, I believe, right? Correct. Yeah, everybody that's unvaccinated would have to stay behind totally. Right. Yeah, would have to, could not make the trip. All right, let's get to our play-by-play call of the day. Towns. Steps back, drills the triple, making 54 in the game. Tying the franchise record at 28 shot attempts. Towns making 32 in the quarter, and he's tied the franchise record 56 in the game. He ended up with 32 in the third quarter, 60 in the game, and yes, the T-Wolves did win last night over San Antonio, 149-139. to All right, let's bring in Neil Kulong now, never at a loss for words, and is never a stopgap solution here, sir. Welcome. Yes, absolutely not a stopgap anything. I'm here for all of the excitement for these wacky Steelers this offseason. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how all this is going to shake out. So glad to be here to discuss the beginning of it. I feel like we're in a new era. Yes, the Mitchell Trubisky era is now underway as the Steelers have made their transition back to the Neil O'Donnell days. Uh, it's sad if they're lucky. Um <laughs> I, was, I, I will say this. I, I will say this about Mitchell. Uh, you know, we talk about Neil O'Donnell. Trubisky can move. 
All right. I mean, he can move. Uh, not only that, he's, he's got some quicks to him. The question is whether in key moments he can deliver the ball the way, the way they need it. Uh, well, for, for whatever mobility he has, there's no real empirical evidence to suggest that you can rely on it as a passer. Um, I'm not trying to, to pull punches or anything like that. I just There's nothing that can suggest you can rely on him as a passer. He's woefully deficient in terms of, of throwing the ball. Um, it, it, that, that's a pretty uh, important job requirement. And I, I don't see in four seasons how they could think he's able to do that. Um, <clears throat> to me, he looks like the type of guy that it, it wasn't long ago they signed as a backup. Uh, now they're they're paying him not exactly mm-hmm. high-level starter money, but a lot more than the guy that we all have problems with that they gave an extension to last year. Um, I thought uh, the idea was if you lock Mason Rudolph up by giving him a signing bonus to get him to sign an extension, you'd avoid having to pay for for Mitch Trubisky on the open market. Mm -hmm. If that wasn't their plan, why did you give money to Mason Rudolph last year? Or to, to bracket that thought, you have Rudolph on your team, I guess, because you, you thought he'd be your backup. You just gave a mid-level tender to Dwayne Haskins. You had the option to give him the lowest tender, and I assure you nobody in the NFL was going to match a, an offer to, to Dwayne Haskins. Right. I really hope that they know that as well. Or you could you know, not tender him because I'm not sure that you need him at that price point. Why did you give him an original round tender? That's another million dollars that you're throwing into the quarterback position that you don't really seem to need. Now, tell me if I'm wrong on this. Logic, to me, dictates they feel Haskins is in a position to compete for a backup job on this team. And if he wins, say, if it's the number two job, um, weirder things have happened. This team won nine games last year. I still don't know how that happened. (laughs) But let's say... They say they're they're telling Dwayne Haskins, look, we're serious. If you get, if we're going to give you a shot, if you win the backup job, you'll get two point five million dollars. That's about what we want to pay for our backup quarterback. We did last year. We're going to do it again. Okay. I don't understand then what you're doing because the the, the old axiom. This has always seemed true to me, as as said by Bill Parcells back in the day. When you have two quarterbacks, you have none. What that means is. If you don't know who your guy is, you don't have one. Right. And now you've made financial moves for Mitchell Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, and Dwayne Haskins twice in the last 13 months. If you don't have two, if you have three as opposed to two, you really don't have anybody. And at best, what you're representing top to bottom here is that you don't know who the starting quarterback of this team is or you are severely divided on who that's going to be. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, you're splitting your reps in training camp, which means your starter gets a third of the reps. And keep in mind, Steve, this is before the draft. Right. They really should be drafting one because now Trubisky is the only guy who signed for next year. I know. But what's your future plan here? You obviously don't think enough of Trubisky to give him more than a two-year contract. So you are in the exact same position next year that you're in now. And that was the same position you were in last year. What's the plan here? 
It, it, to me, they don't have one. And that's really more of why I'm frustrated. I could go into to Mitch Trubisky being an abjectly poor passer. I, I could get into that all day. But to me, the main problem is the, the Pittsburgh Steelers do not represent in any way that they have a plan at this position moving forward. And they're going to continue to recycle uh, backups in the eyes of the rest of the NFL I, I, I don't know what the ending point is because I, I don't think that either Mason Rudolph or Mitch Trubisky are long-term starters in the NFL, yet they continue to pay these guys to come in and now play quarterback for them now that Ben Roethlisberger is retired. So I don't know. Um, I get the feeling, though, you and I are going to be talking about the same thing next March. Uh, I get a feeling we will be, too, because this goes back to what I talked about uh, with you last week and that, like, I think you have to look at the quarterbacks that are available that are potentially available in 23-24 and ask yourself if if your guy is in that group because it's not in this group. Trubisky can get you there uh, in terms of like being a stopgap, you know, does he play a year and then you redo the contract if it works out well? Or do you get scared to death after one year and say forget it? But this you just feel like this is for the moment, Tommy Maddox, Neil O'Donnell, that group. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure that those, com- relatively and comparatively speaking, weren't better options than what they have now. If, if you want to get, like, here's here's the thing: more quarterbacks does not necessarily mean more availability in the 20s. Okay, mm-hmm. right. you're putting money into this team, and we're talking. Seven and ten, eight and nine, nine and eight—that range. I, I, I don't think they're going to be an improved team this season. I don't think they're going to win. In fact, they'll probably regress uh, a little bit this season. Not catch you know, a bit of the good fortune that they had, especially over the second half of last season. Right. Um, it, with that in mind, if they're drafting fifteen, sixteen, there's no assurance that they're getting a good quarterback there, just because the class is good. Right. You don't draft a class. Right. You don't compare prospects to other prospects. You get one guy with one pick. So, to be honest, if you want to increase your chances of getting one of the best quarterbacks in next year's draft, start Dwayne Haskins. Don't bring in another right. Dwayne Haskins or Mason Rudolph-type quarterback. Just start one of them and let him go. None of these guys are, are viable options. Why are you spending... $7 million a season on Mitch Trubisky when Mason Rudolph is beyond some alleged mobility, which isn't going to help when all he's doing is bootlegging and doesn't know what he's looking at beyond yeah. one read on the field anyway. It, it That doesn't help anything. And the more that you want to use him as a runner in your offense, the shorter his season's going to get because he's going to get tagged at some point. Yeah. And Rudolph's going to play anyway, so what's the point? I, I just I don't understand in any way what is going on except to, to suggest there are multiple ideas uh, being presented here. Maybe that is connected with the fact that Kevin Colbert uh, is retiring after the draft. I just don't see how one person or one group could have come to consensus on all of these decisions because they just simply don't line up with each other. It doesn't look like it's part of any one um, you know, kind of long-tail plan. And if that's the case, you're you're you know you're throwing darts at the board. Um, you don't have a plan. And now, it, oddly enough, the best thing you could have done was at least draft 
a, a young prospect that you could develop. And that might be the worst thing that they could do because then they have four quarterbacks. There's not enough reps to go around. One of them is getting cut, and three of the four would have just gotten a contract. So, again, what are you doing? You know, the, the idea of having quarterbacks compete in training camp is antithetical, in my opinion, simply because they're not going to get enough time to work with the offense. And if you're going to tell me that Trubisky, Rudolph, Haskins, and a rookie taken at best 20 overall don't need to work with the offense, you're, you're sorely mistaken. Well, it goes back to, and you know I've used this before, but I'm getting concerned the Steelers are being, becoming the Atlanta Hawks where you know, you're, you're good enough to be right around the playoff chase or just out of it, but you're, not, but you're not bad enough to put yourself in a prime draft position that could change the franchise for a decade. We saw that last year. I mean, the, the fact that they pulled out 9-8, and eight, um, pretty remarkable, in, in my opinion. I, I thought the coaching job Mike Tomlin did in 2019 when he got 8-8 eight and eight out of that team uh, was, was really something else. It's not like this team was any better. Um, they're they're grossly overachieving, and I, it, what I contend is they're they're one injury away from some of the few playmakers that they have from a, a pretty rough season. Mm-hmm. And it, Mitch Trubisky is not helping that in in any way, shape, or form. You may as well uh, have either saved the money or put it somewhere else. You, you didn't upgrade the position nearly seven million dollars worth, and I'm I'm not afraid of the cap. I'm not quibbling over somebody else's money. I'm just saying $7 million can get you a, a, a player who is grossly more impactful, impactful on the game than Mitch Trubisky. There's absolutely no doubt of that. I don't understand the fit. I don't understand the need. It has nothing to do with Mason Rudolph. It just doesn't seem like a move that's connected to anything that they're going to be able to do. But they're still signing offensive linemen, uh, which is probably a good thing considering right. where they were last year at this time. Um, my fear, though, top to bottom, is they still don't have any playmakers on offense. Those guys can't make plays uh, at the level that you need guys to make plays. And if you don't have that, I don't, I don't really don't understand why you think Mitch Trubisky is going to provide that for you, you with re- or without a better offensive line. Neil, you did reference the three offensive linemen. What did you think of the three signings? Um, I, I, to be honest, um, Mason Cole was not a guy who was on my radar. Um, I know people within the Vikings. I, I live in Minnesota. I, I know a lot of people that root for the Vikings. I asked them about him and it, positive weren't, the words weren't exactly positive, but he fits the mold of what the Steelers like to have a consistent, um, multi-position interior offensive lineman and a dual position uh, uh, offensive tackle. They, they like veteran players for those spots. Um, that makes sense. The price point's a little interesting. We, we mm-hmm. haven't seen them go up that high. I can't imagine there was a market for them. Um, maybe there was, I guess. I, I don't know, but interesting. Uh, James Daniels, though, is a good football player. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I like that is. signing. Yep. And that that's probably at the price that you would expect him to have gotten. So good. Um I, you, and, you and I talked about this before. They, they were going to sign a right guard. Um, I was 100% confident in them doing that. They needed to. I think that's, that's the, the smartest signing they could have made um, for the dollar, probably, considering what Sheriff ended up going for. So I think that makes sense. Um, you and I also talked about uh, Chooks Okorafor yep. at that 9 to $10 million range. He hit that you know right on the money. Um, it, I, I'm not surprised the Steelers were interested in keeping him that's an amount at a position the Steelers don't typically pay, but I think it goes to show 
they need to get something solid in there. Um, and Chooks, to, to some extent, he bailed them out last season. Things didn't go the way that uh, um, I think the Steelers wanted. And I think his agent can probably say, look, he trained all offseason to be the left tackle. You moved him to right tackle because of injury. Um, he had to play right tackle all last season. You're going to pay him this level, right or left tackle. Let's get on the same page, though, about what position he's going to play moving forward because you want to keep this guy. Um, the, the arrow is still pointed up for him. He's mm-hmm. really young. He's a good athlete. We're, we're seeing good things from him. His best football is in front of him. I think that's what the Steelers are paying for there, but it, it's the right move. I, I like that move. Uh, generally speaking, people don't think he's worth it. And at some point, especially when um, a, a, an offensive lineman of all positions, who's 24 years old, keep that in mind, mm-hmm. uh, reaches free agency. You're signing on potential still. You know he really still has that kind of new to the league shine to him. He hasn't played that much, but two starting years of experience, growth in that time. Good, I like that. If that's the right side of your line, I like to think that it, it's uh, definitely stronger with Daniels in there, and I think Chooks is going to be better um, for the experience that he had last season. Uh, what they'll do about center? I mean, does does Mason Cole come in and compete for the center job? Right. You know, or or maybe the left left guard um, is is where Daniels will end up. I don't know. You know, there's no reason to think that Kevin Dotson is is uh, you know set in in place for anything anymore. Not after last season, that's right. for sure. Um, we still don't know what they're going to do about Zach Banner. I think that's going to trickle down to a decision on Joe Haig and the draft coming up as well. So it, I, there are a lot of moving parts within the offensive line, but. I think they signed uh, the right players for where, for where they're trying to go, and they've given themselves options to explore between now and camp. So uh, I, I give them an A for that just because it, it's going along the lines they needed to go down. Well, we have to wait and see uh, what it looks like on the field. But I think they signed the right guys and they added the right kind of depth to create options for themselves that maybe they didn't have as much of last year that could help them out a little bit more. Um, it, it also creates a situation in which you can let Dan Moore develop and improve and have another camp, but if it isn't going to work, you've got an option there as well. So I, I think uh, they're moving the right path when it comes to their offensive line, which uh, was, was a huge worry of mine this time last year. Next year, the, the cap number will go up because the TV contract kicks into another gear next year. Uh, do you feel confident uh, in the pathway they have right now with Micah Fitzpatrick? Uh, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I, I think you've got um, – he's kind of walking right down the pathway to be the market setter at his position. I think you've also got the, the common dichotomy between free safety and strong safety, two distinctions that just really don't exist in the NFL anymore. Right. Um, at the same time, you've got Jamal Adams, uh, his his horrendously bad contract that's getting worse every game, um, clogging a lot of this. From the Steelers' perspective, I mean, there's absolutely no way uh, Minka Fitzpatrick does not want to say, plain and simple, here's the highest paid safety in the game, Here's 90 reasons why I'm better than this guy. Pay me more than him. That's what I want. The Steelers aren't going to want to use that contract. They're going to want to have him probably more at around the level where the cap is. So, hint, hint. Um, Minka playing on his option now, uh, you know, I I said the same thing about T.J. Watt, to be honest, uh, leading into it for the same reasons. Um, The market is just too explosive at that position to suggest – 
uh, odds are better an extension gets done as opposed to the tag. I think they'll end up tagging him. So uh, that that would just be my thought. And with that, too, you're looking at a, a two-year valuation for him of about $14 million per year. Um, I, I think the tag would be about $17 million for safeties in 2023 and it's, he's got 10.5 this year so Steelers are getting a, de- a deal over two years and they don't have to worry about a long term deal I think they'd like to get one in especially for the reasons that you mentioned the cap's going to go up uh, they're only just getting caught back up in spending now uh, from where they were so um, with what they've done so far I would imagine that Minka would be very high on their list of people that long term they want to keep in place uh, we'll see if he's not trying to price himself out of the market. He's a young player. He's, he's uh, easily the best playmaker in the back seven of the team, right? the, the, within the secondary at least. Um, it, it's a guy that they need to keep around uh, for sure, but he's going to be a top-of-market guy. Do they want to have two top-of-market defensive players? Uh, that's really the question. I would say if, if they're throwing $7 million a year at, at Mitch Trubisky, I, I don't know what they want to do with Minka Fitzpatrick, but it – they shouldn't be too tied up in, you know, uh, contract distinctions if they're signing that to play quarterback um, and, and don't have a decision to be made on, on Minka Fitzpatrick. Well, the Adams deal is one that's, I mean, let's be honest about CBS it. When he signed it, report. I was like, talks between Russia and Ukraine have now ended with Ukrainian officials And I think it sets, it sets a standard in the league. Look, I mean, he, more talks are coming tomorrow. He, he didn't hold the Seahawks hostage <laughs> okay and release them well, on, and release them one at a time until he got the money uh they agreed to it but it's not a sta- it's not a stand it's not a standard yeah, I mean, it, other teams should follow it absolutely is uh, um it, it was set the second seattle traded yes a generation draft picks for yeah why seattle did that i, I don't I have know. no idea that's what happens when you give up that much capital uh in a trade for for a player they're writing their own contract too. So when people talk about you know this situation now with Deshaun Watson, for example, keep in mind you're not just giving up draft picks. You are also making him the highest paid player in the NFL yeah. a, a year from now, probably. Yeah. It's whenever he wants to get that contract, and he's going to sit at least four games this season as it is. So right. it, it, making those big trades carries with it the weight now that you have to make the player at least the highest paid at his position. And that's exactly what Jamal Adams did at 30% over market for his services because of that trade, which I, I thought was ridiculous at the time. I thought his contract was mm-hmm. even more laughable. Um, there's no way the Steelers are going to use that as a comp. And I, I can understand why Minka Fitzpatrick would want it, but man, they're in a tough spot for that yeah. very reason. They're in a very tough spot. I, I don't know if they can move on that until he's tagged at least. Well, if we paid, you'd be the highest paid at your position. Oh, I hope so. Nobody's yeah. trading me, though. We're I got to uh, work for my I, market. I am not trading you, big dog. <laughs> Neil, thanks. I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Definitely. Thanks. Neil Kulong. I know we ran through the news, but the news is depressing. We're fun. On News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I. I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. 
more than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Just want to make sure you're okay. You're calm. <laughs> I, I, I'm good. I mean, you lost last night to Denver. Now they're telling you half your team can't play at home. I'm good for right for right now. I'm good. I'll be a little, I'll be in more of a panic, say but, by the end of the again, month, if I if Aaron again, Judge can't play. But again, my point my point is this. Okay. Got, by the way, the Kyrie Irving got fined by the NBA for going into the locker room. So you know, just so you know, so he did go into the locker room after when the NBA fined him for it. I'm not getting into that part. Uh, I'm just talking about the fact that okay. He's not vaccinated. The whole world knows Kyrie Irving is not vaccinated. So he can't play in New York. And obviously he can't play in Toronto either. Can't play against the Raptors up there. But he can play, I believe, everywhere else. Okay. All right. At the moment, that's what the the law is or the mandate is in New York City and in Toronto. But the irony is that he can go on the road trip to Philadelphia, Washington, Charlotte, travel on the team plane, stay in the team hotel, eat the team meals, uh, and be in the locker room, play the game, up and down, up and down on the floor. You know, they're all breathing and nobody's wearing a mask when you're on the floor. Okay, then you go back to New York and he can't play. All right, that's the mandate. Except he can sit in the stands. That's where it becomes confusing. He can sit with the fans in the stands, but he can't sit down. On the, he can't play in the game. That's where it gets a little gray. <laughs> okay. No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! Now, it, in other words, if he can't be with the team, then they shouldn't let him go to the games. All right? But he's allowed to go to the game, and then as soon as the road trip comes up, he can get on the plane, he can eat the meals, he can be in the locker room, he can run up and down, he can sweat, and, and everything else that goes with it during the course of a game, get back on the plane, go back down, I can't, can't but you got to sit in the stands. It's okay to sit in the stands, you just can't be on the bench. <laughs> okay. Like, we're kind of taking this gray area. No, in other words, if New York says he's not vaccinated, you shouldn't be in the stands. In other words, you got to be out completely. But they let him be in the stands. That's where you're looking. It's like, okay, there's a little inconsistency here. <laughs> yeah. 
And if Aaron Judge is sitting there in the in the luxury box during the game, you're going to freak out. Yeah, that will not be fun. I, mean, I on the other hand, will just sit here and just report it, and I won't freak out. <laughs> but like I said, I, you know, I, there is there is a level of gray where you sit back and say, "Wait, okay, part of this doesn't make sense," and it's the part where they let him go to the game, but he can't uh, he can't be around the team that he's been around. You know, hey, we just made a seven. You know, the NBA sometimes will play five games on a road trip, and he can go on the entire road trip. Then as soon as he comes up, yeah, you can't. You know, but you can sit in the stands with the fans. Huh? What? Wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold on a second. <laughs> Let me get this straight. He can sit with them, but he can't sit with them? Okay. Oh, okay. That's interesting. All right. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15. Homeless Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Women's Frozen 4 starts Friday here at Penn State. Ryan Tripp is the voice of the Frozen Four. Sir, welcome. Great to have you with us. Steve, great to be with you. How are you today? Doing very, very well. Um, so uh, let's, I want to get, Kevin Wall got honorable mention. Um, I was just disappointed that, like, you know, like Paul DeNaples didn't get recognized, a couple of other people. I mean, I realize where your place and all this comes into play. I'm happy for Kevin, but disappointed that others didn't get recognized. Yeah, I think it speaks more as well to the strength of the league. I mean, if you look at the honorable sure. mention list, that right. probably could be a first or second team in almost every other league in the country with the exception of the NCHC. So, right. yeah, I think, Paul, sometimes when you look at the defensemen that get recognized too, it, a lot of it comes down to their offensive numbers. And Paul's never going to be a guy who puts up 20, 30 points. Right. He's so steady and reliable in what he does in the defensive end. But I, I think his teammates recognize that. And I'm sure when Penn State's individual awards come out from the year, He'll get the recognition from his teammates. But when you have Brock Faber is an Olympian and uh, second-round draft pick and Owen Powers, number one overall pick, uh, the first-team All-Big Ten defenseman, I'm kind of not surprised where it is. But I I think that doesn't diminish the year that a lot of guys on Penn State's team had. All right, so you've had to do a lot of work here, uh, you know, to get ready for the women's Frozen Four. Because I mean, let's not let's pretend you haven't gone out and watched, you know, all these teams play. You haven't. Yeah. So, what does it take to get ready for four teams that you have not really seen until this point? You know, obviously, besides some film work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the first thing is I tried to go through and get rosters and look at line charts from the last couple of games that way you have an idea of who's lining up with where that makes it a lot easier than just trying to memorize 20 names and just looking at a blank sheet so realize who's playing with who who's trending in the right direction who's not and the the good thing about women's college hockey in this year's frozen four is three of the four teams are back from last year's frozen mm-hmm. four so these are teams that have had some national success it's actually interesting though minnesota duluth among the four teams there is the only one that's won a national championship and they'll be in a national semifinal rematch in the early game on friday against northeastern which is led by a tremendous goaltender erin frankel um i think she's a household name for anyone who follows mm-hmm. women's college hockey at all and then the second semifinals ohio state which you're at least a little bit familiar with considering they're a big 10 team you know a little bit about what their history is, and then Yale, which I'll be completely honest, had no <laughs> inkling of anything about their program. So to dive into not just you know what this year's team does, but what 
this means for their program to get to this this point. And I use Yale as an example because last year was their first time with you know program record 17 wins. Um, then this year, their first time ever in an NCAA tournament. And now they're in their first Frozen Four, and they're going for their first national championship. They're not a program like a Minnesota Duluth right. or a Northeastern that's had sustained success. So not only do you try to dive in and you know learn who the key players are this year and a little bit of background on the best players for this year, and you know, do they have a good power player? Are they a defensive team? Are they led by the goalie? I think there's an importance to, to realize what – what this means for a program and where it stands for their all-time to- all uh, history and, and records and, and all that other sorts of stuff. But it's a tight turnaround, too. You, you, can't, you can't know everything, but you want to try to sound like you're, you're in tune with really what's going on within each program. Right. So a lot of people now feel you're the unofficial voice of Minnesota Duluth Athletics. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> You've done so, so many of them along the way on the men's side in the Frozen Four. My goodness. Um, so what, you know, women's ice hockey has been has become more popular as time has gone. And the, and the U.S. Olympic team, along with the Canadian Olympic team, yep. uh, and the rivalry between them have really helped cement a fan base out there. How important is it that Penn State, and that's the first of two that they're going to be, I mean, it's somewhere, you know, they got another one coming up down the line. They're going to host another Frozen Four here. But that Penn State is in the host position. Yeah, I think it's a ability to showcase the great venue that they have, first and foremost. And the second one's going to be in 2026, Steve. Um, they get to showcase the venue. When they built Pagula, it wasn't just so the men's team could compete at a championship level in the Big Ten. It was for a women's program as well, and it was also for the community. And to make Central Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania in general a hockey hotbed. And that takes time, but I think anytime you can get the visibility that the Women's Frozen Four brings showcases Penn State's ability to host the championship. I think it's good for the women's program, but I think it's good for, for hockey in general, just showing that Penn State's a destination and it puts it on the hockey map. So I think there's so many things there that it ties into and, and different parties that it benefits. But then, you know, you're talking about women's hockey in general. You look at the professional leagues that have started now across the right. United States and, and just the notoriety. I think players, I'm going to work with Kendall Coyne. Uh, she's one of those mm-hmm. great players. And I know on the Penn State women's staff, um, Melissa Samuskevich still is playing profession, professionally. Um, it's a sport that is starting to grow and get more recognition, and they have some really elite players. It's not just players who are great women's players. They're great hockey players, period. And right. I think the NHL All-Star Game has showcased that, and the NHL has done a really good job promoting that hockey can be played by anyone, not just um, you know your traditional white male. It's diversity and inclusion for any anyone, regardless of race, sexual orientation, or gender. Right. No, exactly right. Uh, oh, and you know, it's it's a great sport to watch. Hopefully, there'll be great crowds for it. I'm, you know, because look, each team is going to be bringing some people here to watch. I mean, there's no question mm-hmm. about that. And hopefully, the local community jumps in and can sell the building out and make it, and, and make it just a great atmosphere that you know it can be in that building. Going, yeah. How many times? How yeah. many times do you get a chance to see, regardless of the sport, a national champion crowned? I mean, those are goosebump type moments when you're watching a team come storming off a bench 
to pile on, in this case, maybe a goaltender or a game-winning goal scorer on the ice and gets to be in your backyard. So I think that's the really cool thing about hosting a national championship at a Penn State venue. Well, so I think what's going to happen is once they, they have it here once, and you mentioned it's going to be here in 26, they'll probably get into a rotation of having it here because the, 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 the rink, the arena, is the right size for this. Uh, and yeah, that's the right yeah. It's the right size, and not only that, it has literally everything. <laughs> I mean, it, there's nothing in there, right? There's nothing in there that an NHL rink doesn't have. Yep. So, it has everything you need. Yeah. Yep. Weight room, training room, locker rooms, and I think the other thing too is you know, the people at Penn State are very skilled at hosting whether it's men's volleyball or gymnastics right. you can go the list goes on and on at hosting championships at an NCAA and a Big Ten level too which always helps in your preparation give us a couple of quote stars that will have an opportunity to shine out there that people should be looking for yeah Aaron Frankel goaltender for Northeastern she's going to be probably the star although you could argue there's uh, several for each team Sophie Jocks from Ohio State, defenseman, who really did not have big career numbers coming into this year, but she's one as well. And then I think if you turn towards Minnesota Duluth, Elizabeth Jaguer um, would probably be the top name to watch for them. Yale is interesting because they are a, a budding program more than the established program. Uh, women's college hockey is a little bit different than the men's. You'll see one or two lines, and generally that top line carries a team with a great goaltender and maybe a really good top two or top three defensive pairings uh, or just defensemen in general. But Yale's a little bit deeper. Uh, their scoring's a little bit more spread out. So I think that's interesting to see how they match up against some of these teams that are really driven by their top lines, uh, like Ohio State, Northeastern, Minnesota Duluth Park. It's interesting that Yale got there. I mean, I think that's that's. Yeah. I think it's fascinating that they got there, uh, and I, you know, I think it'll make it a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, and part of it, as you know, any tournament is matchups. Like, sure, they were the fifth seed, and they played a, a team that they were familiar with as the fourth seed, Colgate, yeah. uh, another team that traditionally is, is good, but not Minnesota and Wisconsin. Minnesota was the number two seed. Well, why'd they get knocked out? Well, they played the number seven seed, Minnesota Duluth, who's their conference rival, and they've had great games with throughout the years. And it just so happened that Northeastern was the number three seed, and they took on Wisconsin as a number six seed. So they knocked Wisconsin out. You know, if Wisconsin's matched up with Colgate and Yale has right. to go to Minnesota, it may not be that way. But I think some familiarity there helped Yale, and I'm really intrigued to see what they can do. Brian Tripp. All right. Appreciate Brian very much. Uh, I know we got the NCAA tournament starting tonight. Um, it will bring with it tomorrow a level of anger for you. <laughs> no, it'll just set me up what what pick I'm going to make against uh, Alabama, depending on what happens with Wyoming and uh, Indiana tonight. Oh, is that who they get now? I haven't even looked at the bracket. Yeah. I'm I'm relying on that game to make my pick for that for that first round matchup. They get Alabama. Oh, I'm sorry. That's tomorrow. I thought, Rutgers. I, no, I, I thought yeah. they get. I my thought bad. they get Santa Clara. Yeah, yeah. My bad. That's I mean, tomorrow. I'm sorry. St. Mary's. I meant. Correct. I thought they get St. Mary's. Yeah, that's correct. My bad. That's, I, mean, I may not have read. It's the, the Rutgers bracket, game but... tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, 
I don't even read the bracket I know. What's, what's going on with you? You're letting your hatred for the failure of your teams get in the way of performance. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. I can't help if you're right now you've hitched your hitched your wagon to losers. <laughs> All right. Jeff Byers and the NCAA Wrestling Championships as Penn State goes after what I believe is rightfully theirs <laughs> tomorrow here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.